This is Dr. Ara Austin for the School of Molecular Sciences. This podcast is really to help our students set up in career paths that they're interested in. Welcome to this session of Graduating in Science. Now what? Today we have Mr. Ian Bingham with us on the podcast. He's the Communications Director at the Arizona Department of Environmental Quality, ADEQ. As all of us are aware, topics surrounding the environment is a matter of concern for a lot of us today. So I thought it would be great to interview a scientist from that sector. So without further ado, Mr. Bingham, welcome to the podcast. All right. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And could you describe your current and previous roles at ADEQ? Well, I've actually been with the agency going on 30 years. I've had multiple roles. Uh, Currently, I'm the director of communications. Uh, for the agency, and then also handle a few special projects here and there. But my primary role is Director of Communications. And what does your role um, do for the department? Uh, Primarily, uh, and I have a background in chemistry, so uh, that helps in the communication aspects. Um, But ADEQ and the work we do, very science-heavy. Um, but what we do impacts the general public. So my primary role is being able to take complex scientific situations and being able to communicate them in a simple and digestible manner for the general public so they understand not only what issues are out there that they should be aware of, but hopefully understand how we at ADEQ are fighting to protect their health and their well-being. And you briefly mentioned that you have a degree in chemistry. Can you share more about your academic background with our students? Uh, Certainly. So I have a Bachelor's of Science um, Chemistry from the University of Connecticut, class of 1990. Uh, And from there, I started working in environmental labs, actually collecting samples, uh, groundwater monitoring samples, soil samples, and got the uh, pleasure of also analyzing them. So my early part of my career was actually uh, hands on the ground, collecting, analyzing, and then developing reports um, to explain the analysis and the outcomes that then regulatory agencies or businesses could then use to move, uh, move forward and make decisions that they needed to. And then in 1992, I moved to Arizona, joined the ADEQ here as an inspector, and have now been on the other side of the equation, uh, using that data to then make policy decisions and compliance determinations regarding facilities. Great. And many students don't realize this, but when they get a degree in chemistry, obviously us chemists have a variety of different specializations and yours happen to be in environmental science. Um, What made you decide to pursue this specialized field within the the chemistry? Well, actually, science has always interested me. Um, uh, I like to understand why things are the way they are. And um, actually, the interactions of uh, elements and materials at one another is just something that attracted me as a child. Uh, just, but from a personality standpoint, I'm more outdoorsy than I am inside. Uh, I'm from a country growing up, a small island of Jamaica, uh, when I moved to the U.S. So while I enjoy city life and the opportunities it provides, I'm country at heart. Um, so protecting just our basic natural resources. Um, working with animals from a young child, I just have a different appreciation for the interaction between man and nature. And once I got my degree and saw an opportunity to actually align education with my passion, uh, the environmental field just seemed a natural fit for me. And 30 years later, I do not regret it. 
<laughs> well, I'm from Korea. I'm also an immigrant as well, and I grew up on the rice farm. So uh, when people see me now, they think that I'm from the city, but that's actually not true. <laughs> so I know I, exactly what you mean. I haven't grown up on a farm, milking cows at five years old and what have you. People are shocked when they know me now to understand where my beginnings were. But uh, that simple life does, uh, does affect just about everything I still do at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And people know that obviously environmental quality, that sounds important and it is important, uh, but they may not be aware what ADEQ exactly does, right? And so what is its mission in serving the state of Arizona and its residents? Uh, so our stated mission is to provide protection for public health, welfare, and the environment of Arizona. Uh, that is our written mission. And what that really boils down to is we regulate businesses that are going to be emitting pollutants into the air and try to control those emissions to reduce the impacts of people, especially those who have respiratory issues and other uh, respiratory distress, uh, COPD, asthma, emphysema, and the likes. Um, we're also responsible for the quality of water that people drink. So in Arizona, being an arid, um, there's another agency that actually deals with the quantity and making sure water is available on into the future. But our primary role is that when somebody goes to that tap and turns on the water, that the water that is coming out of that tap is productive of their health. Uh, we also have aspects of the agency that um, deals with waste. So from basically municipal um, waste that we will generate at home, also to industrial waste that different businesses will generate, ensuring that all waste, whether it be hazardous or non-hazardous, uh, as defined by certain regulations, are treated appropriately and in a manner that minimizes any negative impact to the environment or to people. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that because I think um, when you, and this, this has been actually uh, something that has been studied previously, when you ask the general public what they think of a scientist, what they come up with is generally a picture of a mad scientist, like we have crazy <laughs> Um, we make uh, interesting things, but it may not exactly be serving the public, if that makes sense. So the fact that we have scientists that um, do all these important projects for the community, um, I think is important for people to hear and understand. So what are some important environmental projects that ADEQ actually oversees um, that the public may not be aware of, but you wish that they knew that you did them? Okay, well, I'm going to start with the science aspect and talk about the variety of disciplines that we have here in the agency from biologists and microbiologists to geologists, hydrogeologists, uh, chemists, physicists. Um, there's many disciplines um, that we employ here in order to provide the protection. So, for example, we have microbiologists that will go out and uh, monitor streams for the health of those streams. They're looking at macroinvertebrates and other small uh, organisms, basically the beginning of the food chain, and then analyzing how, as the food chain goes up, what is going to happen, uh, including collecting fishes, um, sampling their tissue, because as we know, fishing is a hobby and a sport, and for some people, it's a primary source of food. Um, so we have uh, scientists that go out and ensure that the quality of the fish that they're consuming is actually protective of uh, their health, and if we do have uh, issues, we will notify them that in certain water bodies, 
you may not want to eat a certain particular fish due to a certain contaminant that we found. Um, so that is just one quick example of things we do to protect everybody. And then those who like to go fishing uh, in this particular case, their health and allowing them to enjoy a sport or an uh, activity that they find pleasurable. Great. And how is science used? And you briefly touched on this in your previous answer, but how is it used to help various facets of our environment? Uh, so mostly what we regulate to is what are called health-based levels. Um, so these are scientific levels that um, have been developed to determine at what amount does a particular pollutant cause distress to the environment, uh, to some uh, wildlife and also to humans. So now understanding what those levels are, our scientists will go out, collect data or review data to ensure that whatever pollutant it is we're at, um, evaluating at that point in time is below the standard that we deem protective of public health and the environment. If not, then we have scientists who then develop the appropriate means of remediating that contamination removing it from the environment. Um, so we will oversee not only how the remedial technology will be designed, but then we will monitor over time the impact that that uh, approach is having and ensuring that the contaminants are actually being reduced uh, and being protective of um, public health and again of the environment. So the multiple disciplines um, brings their expertise to help understand how certain chemicals are reacting in the environment uh, especially uh, how they interact with other chemicals, because not all chemicals are compatible. Um, so our different disciplines allow us to evaluate one particular uh, pollutant from multiple angles, uh, offering from what we hope to be the best protection for the environment and for uh, public health. And great. So this question is specific to your role at ADEQ. And you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but a large part of what scientists do is effectively communicating our work to a specific audience. So in your work, you provide information to the public who may or may not have basic science knowledge at all. So how do you go about overcoming this challenge when communicating with the public? Uh, well, my personal philosophy is understanding that most human beings are analogous by nature. Um, so depending on the situation, uh, trying to find simple terms to explain complex matters. Uh, but if you can find analogies that a particular community can relate to, uh, and by that is really understanding your target audience, and especially here in Arizona, we have such a wide range from the Northeast to the Southwest just in climate. Uh, and the opportunities. So being able to understand your target audience, um, how they prefer to receive information, and just how they view life, the better you can understand the folks that you're talking to, the better you can tailor the message. Um, so in my role, uh, many of the former roles I've had here prior to the communications director, I've done a lot of public meetings, so I have the pleasure through inspections and through public meetings of traveling the state for the last 30 years, having a good sense of how various parts of the community communicates and understands and, and uh, views life. And really the key now for us is to be able to take the information we need to convey and construct it in a manner that the people who we need to understand that message, 
delivered in a manner that allows them to understand it deeply so they can take whatever uh, necessary precautions to protect themselves and their and their families. So not necessarily an easy role, uh, but we have a team here of communication specialists. We have people who have gone, you know, how to craft language uh, that helps us deliver the message because if we're trying to help somebody and they don't understand what it is we need, what we're trying to do, and more importantly, any changes that they need to make, if we're not clear in communicating to them, then we're doing everybody a disservice. So it's not an easy role. It's constantly changing and evolving as issues, and especially the political climate touches different different sensitivities. Um, for us, the key is trying to be consistent in our message, trying to be simple in our message, and trying to deliver it in a way that people understand while at the same time conveying the reality that they need to understand. So it's a fine line most of the time. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, in my role, I obviously teach courses and that's something that um, I have to work on every semester because it's, it's not like teaching, you don't evolve as a teacher, you constantly are evolving. And it has a lot to do with communicating what you're trying to convey to the students. Um, science is science, but how you explain that topic, um, how a student perceives what you say matters, right? Uh, in them understanding Absolutely. what you say. So I totally understand um, and relate to what you just said in your answer. So the last question of the day is the following. So the concerns about the environment seems to be at the all time high. Um, when you turn on any news channel, when you listen to any uh, radio shows like NPR, environment, the topic surrounding it, it always comes up every day. And so our students are interested in getting involved, right, and helping out. Uh, so what do you suggest that they should do to foster their interest in science as well as help the environment? Great question. So I'm going to start by saying I'm glad people are thinking about the environment and I'm glad that it is on the forefront of a lot of conversations because the air we breathe, the water we drink is the foundation of life. Um, so people do need to understand and appreciate uh, how delicate it actually is. Um, and over the course of my career, I'm, I'm enjoying the shift uh, myself as a child, and especially as I got into science and educating my family, we just flat out took a lot of things for granted. Um, and as a result, we have some of the issues that we have now. So my first comment is I am very happy that this is being talked about, and I hope that it continues. Uh, now, in terms of for the students, their role is multipurpose. Um, we need them to continue the conversation and get involved and appreciate uh, how delicate water and air is. Um, at the same time, the disciplines that they're learning in school to be able to understand that not only in their daily life can they impact it, but they can use these scientific skills that they're obtaining to help improve it. And for me personally, there's a tremendous sense of pride. Um, even if something is difficult at the beginning, at the end of it, if I know that we've been able to help somebody improve the quality of their life, uh, that is a tremendous reward for your efforts for a day. Uh, and quite frankly, there are not many um, professions out there that I think deliver that kind of personal satisfaction for somebody who actually has a bigger sense of self uh, than just worrying about their own personal bottom line. Uh, what they can do to get involved, there's all kinds of things. Um, volunteering, if, 
they just want to get a taste of it. Um, there's opportunities to volunteer to do things. Uh, one of the programs we offer that students and faculty, parents, uh, the community at large can get involved in is what we call our Arizona um, Water Watch, Citizen Water Watch. Uh, and we're turning average citizens into scientists. Uh, it's an app that they can download off uh, the Google Store or the App Store. And as they're out and about in the environment, in Arizona's environment, can take photos, collect samples, provide us data that helps us better understand what's going on. Um, so that is a simple way for folks to get in. Um, air quality, there's different things that people can do. So even organizing their own friends and so forth to take steps to produce or to reduce the amount of pollution that's going on, carpooling, biking, um, not using gas-powered um, equipment. There are simple things that each and every one of us can do in our daily lives that have monumental impact overall. Um, and they're free to uh, visit our website to learn, some, uh, learn of some of the things that they can do uh, individually and collectively as a small community. Um, but volunteering is really where I think they should start, especially if they like the outdoors, and uh, it's contagious. When If you got somebody who truly loves what they're doing and is able to put their passion with their education, um, it, it, it's contagious, and people do see that. So that's where I'd say students can start. Great, and I will make sure when we post this podcast to link uh, the Arizona Citizen Water project uh, to the recording itself so that the students can actually go on the site and uh, do the volunteering work. Uh, thank you so much for your time and your insight. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. All right. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And if you need me, you call me. I'd be more than happy to partner and help your students individually or through this podcast. Whatever you see fit, if you give us a call, we're here to help you. More information on this episode of Graduating in Science, Now What?, can be found on School of Molecular Sciences website, sms.asu.edu.